0: Good morning, church family. it really great to be with you on you know, a rainy day or whatever. And um, hey, if you are one of those passionate football fans and you can't wait for the Super Bowl or you don't even give a rip about the game, you don't care about either team, you just want some food, you want to hang out and have a good conversation, you're invited to my house this afternoon. Just, just want you to know, don't freak out, right? We get a lot of food and um, we'd love to have you come over. So if you want to come over and you don't have a place to stay, then just... Talk to me afterwards, I'll give you the address, and you can come over to our house and hang out with us, it'd be great. I'm serious, like some of you think, like, oh, he's just joking around. No, I'm serious, you can come over to our house, so we'd love to have you. So we're going to be in God's word, even though we already closed in prayer, right? <laughs> Thanks, Nate. Um, and I want you to turn your Bible open to Matthew chapter 10. We are in the, um, the last series in our series on our church's values, and this one that we're talking about this morning is seriously the most dangerous one. It's the most aspirational one. That is, we've got a long ways to go to get there individually and as a church. It's the scariest one because it's the one that we probably will resist the most and feel like, no, nah, that's not me. And um, it is also the one I think that could be the most powerful for our spiritual journey, your spiritual journey individually and ours as a church. So it's the value of intentional risk, intentional risk. Now, let me just say a word. There are some of you that as soon as I mention the word risk, you're starting to freak out a little bit. And you think, wait a second, I signed up to like be a Christian or to follow Jesus because it provides comfort to me and security to me. That's that's what I really wanted out of my faith. And I want to encourage you to say this, that Yes, there is great security in your relationship with God. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. It's great to be His, and it's secure. And there's great comfort in knowing wherever you might find yourself, God is going to be there. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, He will be with you, which is great news, right? I've been walking through this journey with a couple of the ladies in our fellowship whose husbands are really in in poor health. And they've got this great confidence in the Lord and His presence with them. It's really inspiring to me. And it's a privilege to walk in this journey together with people that have this confidence in the Lord. But if you signed up for following Jesus thinking that it's safe, that it's a place where you can just be comfortable, you got it wrong. There is actually a stream of teaching both in the U.S. and in the developing world that says, "If you just follow Jesus, you'll get all this blessing, and it's just about you. It's about blessing you and giving you material goods and providing for you. It's about your security and safety and comfort and riches and blessing, and that's what it's about. I'm here to tell you, that's heresy. That's a lie. That's not what Scripture teaches us. Wow, I kind of got all fired up there, didn't I? <laughs> well, it's true. And, and it really causes damage because people think that God will not call them into something that's perhaps a risk for them, to get them out of their comfort zone. And so we become reflexively conscious about our own safety and about our own comfort, and we never step out in the faith steps that God is calling us to. And I'm here to tell you that we can't be that kind of church. We can't be that kind of people. We must take intentional risks, choosing to trust God's leading even when it's uncomfortable. Now again, let me just underscore this. We have a set of unique values that track with who we are, as God called us to be as a church, that are really wonderful values. And we've talked about it for the last several weeks. We've talked about our Mosaic culture and about family enrichment and about community impact and compelling content. These are things that God has hardwired into us as a DNA and are steering our priorities. But we also have a whole set of priorities that are simply biblical priorities that every church shares, right? Every church should, anyway, value God's Word and reading it, applying it to our life. That's fundamental, right? I just want to encourage us with that. And it's fundamental that we should be a family, that we should love each other. And when we come in the morning, on Sunday morning, we should be committed to what the Bible calls koinonia, not just, hey, how you doing, or just eating donuts together, but actually entering into conversations that would build each other up and encourage each other to walk with Jesus faithfully this next week. We, we want to go that direction, and we want to serve together. We, we want to use our spiritual gifts. Every one of us has a unique spiritual gift, and we want together to use that and call each other out. And we want to speak the name of Jesus effectively to our neighbors. We want to to be entering into evangelism. These things are central and core to all of us. We want to be committed to each other's spiritual growth. But these unique values that we've been underscoring in the last several weeks really are how did God call us as a church to step into these days, this season, together as a family of God, and to move forward and prioritize these things. And even though it's aspirational, that is, we're not quite there, I'm convinced that stepping into intentional risk is really important for every one of us. It's huge for us. Because taking intentional risk personally and together as a church family is indispensable to our spiritual journey. That is, we can't follow Jesus without it we really truly cannot follow Jesus faithfully without taking some risks and intentional risks at that. Now, for all of those of you that want to dig your heels in a bit, I'm here to tell you that there's some good news in this. And that is that God knows your reservations. He knows my reservations. He knows our fears and our insecurities, right? The things that keep us from taking those steps of faith. The first and foremost is God, what would actually happen to me? And so he gave us his word to give us strong confidence that even the worst possible thing that could happen to you, that is, you could lose your life. Let's say you go to the hub and you decide, wow, God's calling me to have this conversation with somebody. You mention the name of Jesus and someone turns to you and they shoot you dead. That's not going to happen, by the way. I don't think. Um, But even if that happened, you're looking at me very strange, Becca, I know. But even if the worst possible thing happened to you like that, God still has you. He still has you because as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, listen, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's already conquered the very worst possible fear you could have and that is of your own death. He's he's already spoken into that. And some of us feel like, yeah, but if I take a step of faith, even if that crazy thing doesn't happen to me, but if I take a step, a risk of faith, then I could be ostracized. I could be the only one out here and no one follow me in my step of faith. Like Maybe even not only my family might not even follow me. God's very clear in his word that he will never leave you. and There's nothing, as Romans 8 says, that can separate us from the love of God. There is nothing that you have to fear in taking a step, a risk of faith. Let's say, for example, um, you go to the Grand Canyon, and uh, you, you're very excited. It's the first time you've ever been there, and you go to the, to the edge, and you see this amazing thing a great vista. And across the canyon, someone has strung a tightrope all the way across. And you're thinking, wow, this is great. You know, you just stay there. You think, wow, someone's going to try this. I'm going to watch and see them go splat. You know, or I'm going to see what happens. And a crowd kind of gathers around, and you're there looking at the tightrope. And then someone turns to you, and then several people turn to you and say, hey, why don't you be the one that goes first? And you say, are you crazy? <laughs> now, if it was me, I would, I would have all these. I would First, I would say, okay, I don't have the balance. I, I'm really not that coordinated, so I know what's going to happen if I do that. And they hand, if they would hand me one of those polls, I wouldn't know what to do with it. I've never actually done this before. So I'd have all these questions and reservations. And I would obviously want to say no. But what if I knew with certainty with absolute certainty that it would be okay, that I, I would not fall. And if I fell, someone would catch me. What if I was absolutely sure that would happen? Then I would rethink it. Because, wow, think about the journey, right? Think about what you would do if you actually started taking steps across and you saw the vista and you're, you're looking down and there's hundreds of feet below you and, and you're making it and you start to wiggle a little bit and you get corrected. That's the imagery that the Bible teaches us about faith. That God always will come alongside us and always will protect us. And his great love always protects us. Even when we're most scared, the disciples were rattled. They were struggling with what was to come. And Jesus, in Luke chapter 21, makes an amazing statement. When you go home, I'd like you to read the larger portion of this, verses 10 all the way through verse 28. This morning, I just want to mention, kind of paraphrase what's happening in this text in Luke 21. Jesus starts to speak to their greatest fears. What would happen if everything crashed down around you? What if you found yourself in the middle of global war? Or like famine or pestilence? What if you found yourself betrayed by people who were closest to you? What if the worst possible things you could imagine started taking place? And for these who were Jews, what if Jerusalem itself was conquered by a foreign army and desolation was the result? You lost your home, you lost everything. And at the end of the text he says, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Verse 27. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. When you get into the most fearsome circumstance that you can imagine, and he's speaking about something actually that historically happened. Understand that your redemption is near, that I am near you in the worst possible settings you can imagine. When the very worst things imaginable transpire, take courage because God has you and has a great future in mind for you. That's the message of Scripture for us. When the worst hits the fan, John captures this thought in Jesus' statement, John eleven twenty five, 25. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. What are you so concerned about? When a Christian gets this truth, they can say with Paul, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. But it's difficult to say, isn't it? Isn't that hard to come to that place where we actually trust God that much? where we say it's really all about him. And yeah, I understand kind of intellectually that God has me, but taking that step, that's a whole different ballgame. And yet scripture keeps teaching God has our present and our eternity in his trustworthy hands. That was the message to the first believers. And that's what propelled them actually to tell other people to risk their lives and to step out in faith. Some of them left their homes. We have a whole set of people from our fellowship that are now living in other places in this world. Many of them are in places where they risk their very lives with the gospel, for the gospel's sake. We don't talk a lot about it publicly because we want to protect them. But we have a whole group of people that are now presently living out this challenge to take intentional risks. And they once sat in seats you're sitting in right now because they felt the call of God to do this wherever God might have us, including here right now in Fremont, wherever you might live in Newark, Union City, Petis, wherever it might be, God still calls us to join them. And he gives us these staggering promises of protection and a future and direction and everlasting joy and life so that we, in the thick of the battle, might remember who we belong to. Some of you might still say, Oh, Ron, I, I, yeah, that's great for you, but like, I, I couldn't do that. I'm not like a risk taker. I really don't want to do that. That's not why I like, chose to come to church or chose to like, follow Jesus, if I am a follower of Jesus even. I, I don't really like that lifestyle. It rattles me a bit. Well, let me just say there's a couple reasons why you'd step into it. First, you're commanded to. You're commanded to be a person of faith. You're under orders, and Jesus commands you to step out in faith. I have a son who serves in the Marines. What if he would say tomorrow morning, I don't think so, when his commanding officer tells him, gives him a direct order, what happens to him? He gets in serious trouble. Some of you have served, right? It's not optional when your commanding officer says, hey, I need you to do this. Go do this, right? That's, that's not optional. And it's not optional in the faith, although we treat it, often we treat it like that, don't we? We say, well, that's really for other people. I don't want to take an intentional risk. I'd rather guard my own safety. And there's a second reason why it's so significant for us to take intentional risk. Faith doesn't mean I chuck reason to the wind. It simply means we value obedience to Jesus over our self-centeredness. We, we value obedience over self-centeredness. So um, one of the life groups I'm a part of, which I love, uh, we went to go to the warming center. I know there's several of the life groups here that you've, you've gone over the warming center and we do this program over there that takes care of people that are in need and need, need dinner and need a place to stay. And so the warming center has been open for several weeks and a lot of our people have been over there. It's very cool. And um, our life group signed up, and we went over there, and we had tons of food. It was great. And we were serving out food, and there was a group of people that were there eating and enjoying the food. And, and all of a sudden, my friend Alice stands up, and, uh, and Alice says, hey, I need everybody's attention. I'm like, oh, man, this is so gutsy. It's like, she's to- totally taking a risk, which she did. She said, I just want you to know, like, how much God loves you. And It was quiet. She says, I, I want to read a couple of verses. And she starts, she starts giving the word to these people. It was the coolest moment. It wasn't like preachy or anything. She just was speaking from her heart. And then, so like, and the rest of our small group were looking at each other, like, Alice, she's cool, right? She's taking this risk. And she's like telling them about the Lord and how much he loves them. And, and then she says, Oh, and my pastor's here. He would like to pray over you. I'm like, What? I didn't volunteer for this, right? And uh, so, of course, I, you know, I got to go up and we had some really great conversations, or our life group did, because Alice was gutsy enough to say, man, you know what, I'm going to take a risk. And that's, that's what God is calling us into, a kind of lifestyle that really proclaims Jesus and takes those risks, even when we feel like the tension of not stepping out in the moment. Because we know that he's ordered us to, because we know that we need to get out of our self-centeredness and follow Jesus. And isn't it interesting that almost every message of the American lifestyle and commercials preach the opposite message to maximize our comfort and our security and our prosperity, our our financial prosperity. You deserve a break today, right? Have Have it your way. That's not what scripture teaches us, is it? Like you're going to watch, some of you, the Super Bowl, you're going to watch all these commercials. Some of them are going to be hilariously funny. Some of them try to be funny and fall flat, whatever. But they all have a central message and that it's about you. It's not. It's not about you. And that's the message of scripture. Matthew 10, these words found in verse 28 through 31. I tell you, my friends... This is Jesus speaking. Don't fear those who kill the body, who have capacity actually to even kill you. Don't fear them. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. But I warn you, whom to fear? Fear him who is after he's killed has authority to cast you into hell. There's only one that has that authority. He's saying, fear the Lord God Almighty, right? Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? So he's giving a cultural example, the worth of these birds. And not one of them is forgotten before God. God knows every bird, every worm that's on the face of the earth. And not one of them is forgotten. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. God, he's saying, God values you so highly and knows you thoroughly. Yes, by all means, here's how this version says it, maximize your joy. How? For the sake of love. Risk being reviled and persecuted and lied about for your reward is in heaven. Your reward in heaven is great. Risk it. Because God has you and has your future and has a reward out there for you. And because God values you and he's looking out for you. He knows you. So why wouldn't you risk? That's a powerful message that Jesus is telling us. Why wouldn't you trust him? Why wouldn't you step into intentional risk? If you think about it seriously, that message of intentional risk is woven throughout scripture. Abraham is called to leave with his family, and he has no idea ultimately where he's going. He has no idea how he's going to get there or what's going along in the journey. And Scripture starts to teach out the story in the book of Genesis. Virtually that happens to every one of the patriarchs. Every one of these people are called out to this amazing journey to risk, to step out in faith. And it doesn't stop with the book of Genesis, right? Every, you can look through every book of the Bible. It happens in Exodus with all the things that happened to Moses. It happens to, to Joshua who follows up Moses. Many of you are familiar to this message in Joshua chapter 1. It says, just, this is God speaking, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I'm always going to be with you. Questions? Now, he was going to call Joshua into crazy intentional risk. But he starts with these powerful words. I am always going to be with you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. I am sovereign. I have had a plan. You are part of that plan. That's why I'm calling you into this. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law. Moses, my servant, commanded you do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This is the book of the law. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. That is, follow God's word. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. If you follow me, if you take that risk, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's the story of Scripture, and it doesn't end with Joshua, right? All the way through Scripture it's written about this. The same word could be written to Joab, who is facing Syrians on one side and the Ammonites on the other side. And he turns to his brother in 2 Samuel 10, 12, and he says, let's be courageous and may the Lord do what seems good to him. Because God's going God's to do what he wants to do. In the book of Esther, Esther chapter 4, she comes to this conclusion, hey, if I even die doing this, okay. That's okay. God has me. She's, Confident in the protection of God. David faces down Goliath. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they tell this fearsome king who has called them to worship other gods, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods. Daniel chapter 3. They're going to follow the Lord God and take this huge risk, right? It's a major risk in their life to go this direction. And Paul himself will say in the New Testament, I do not account my life of any value nor precious to myself if only I might finish my course, Acts chapter 20. And of course, Hebrews chapter 11 is a whole chapter of these intentional risk takers that God is affirming. So it's pretty powerful, right, truth that every Christian is called into this. A famous Christian um, missions book, The History of Christian Missions, written by Stephen Neal. He says in it, every Christian knew that sooner or later they would have to testify about their faith, perhaps even at the cost of their life. This is normal. It's normal for us to take intentional risks for the Lord. I was um, really blessed to be in a setting where I was with uh, some pastors, many of whom had been persecuted for their faith physically, who had lost all kinds of things. And when I step into those kind of settings, I feel like I have very little to teach and a lot to listen about, like, like, a lot to learn, hearing stories of their sacrifice for the faith and what God has done with them and through them because of that. We have brothers and sisters right now as Pastor Nate was reminding us who are taking all kinds of risks to live out their faithful the Lord. And that, brothers and sisters, ought to be normal. It ought to be our experience, even though we're living in a different culture, in a different place. Why would we not want to enter into a lifestyle that trusts in the Lord? We're people that are called this direction. Matthew, again, chapter 16. We see a word from Jesus where he tells his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains his whole world, the whole world, and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You get the message? It's powerful, isn't it? What is it that's holding us back? And why is it holding us back if God has everything in store for the people who take steps, intentional steps of risk? And this word in Hebrews 13, 13 to 14, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, lips that say yes to God when he calls us out to risk. It's hard though, isn't it? Can we just acknowledge it, how challenging it is? Challenging it is personally and challenging it is as a corporate body. And yet if we say no, there's everything to lose. What intentional risk does mean is that we seek to be a church that values trust in Jesus over comfort. I thought I might heard one person say amen. In the first service, like I heard like two or three people said, Amen. Like really quiet. And everyone's like, Yeah, I don't know about that. That I don't know, I don't really want to step in and say, Affirm that, because then people look at me like, okay, they're gonna do it, right? So let me repeat that again and see if I might get a little bit more affirmation. What intentional risk does mean is that we seek to be a church that values trust in Jesus over comfort. That's a scary statement, isn't it? Because some of us, all of us have this temptation to use our faith as a security blanket as opposed to a diving board right? and we seek to be a church that takes risks for God's eternal kingdom over our immediate safety again tough to say amen to it isn't it and to make steps of genuine challenging faith over the status quo that's the kind of church God calls us to be that's the kind of individuals people men and women who follows Jesus with whole, passionate hearts that he calls you out to be. This week, not to live for your own comfort and security. Valuing intentional risk means that we seek to be the kind of people that live for eternity, that dream big, and seek to follow the Lord. So let's think about the implications of that because there's a lot of implications about this, this truth from Scripture First, all risks of faith must start within. They must begin personally. Here's what I mean God calls us out first in our own heart and our own soul to be men and women who step out in faith. He calls us that, and we have to take that step first. We have to get to a place individually where we do that before God. And I want to call you out this morning to be a person who actually prays and fasts even toward this direction, that you would no longer live just in comfort and safety, but that you would actually take intentional risks in your walk and your spiritual journey for the sake of the Lord's glory, for the sake of people in your neighborhood who need to know about Jesus, and because it's being obedient to Scripture, to be a man, a woman who does this, to start individually doing this. Years ago, um, I was reading this uh, scripture and reading another book and wrestling through this. And it had been a long season actually since I prayed and fasted about anything. But you know, Sue and I were in a very comfortable place, and we were um, we had family around us. We had a nice home. We had a great ministry. And for some reason, God started calling us out. And of course, you wrestle with that, right? You don't, you don't, you'd rather be comfortable. And um, we started praying and fasting over it and saying, God, we just want to live open-handedly. I wish I could tell you that the answer to that prayer was, um, was safe. But it wasn't safe. And the result of that answer to prayer was that I lost my job. It was shocking, actually, Um, and I'd be happy to talk about what happened through there, but it was, God took um, this place of real security that I had, that I loved, and he took that away because he wanted to start carving in me and in my family, and through a set of circumstances, we're still, obviously now we're really praying, right, and calling out to the Lord, and he called us to Michigan, of all places, in January, and, and it was super cold. I don't know if you saw the weather reports, like, you know, what they've been saying and the, what they said. It hasn't been this cold since, yeah, it's like since when we went out there. And God called us to this place, and um, it was like, oh my goodness, I, you know, um, and He had us, that's the great thing, He had us in His hands. And the first week I'm out there, some of you have heard me tell this story, so please forgive me, but the first week I'm out there, um, I get a phone call at church, and um, it was a family that was from another neighboring church, and their pastor was gone, and they called me and was wondering if I could come and visit them. Their dad was dying in the hospital. And there was wondering if I could come. I didn't know this family. I, I, I was brand new to the area. Now, we were living in Southern California City. It was very multi-ethnic, and it was a comfort zone for us. And that was not where we were now. And so I walk into this place, and I meet the couple. They're in the hallway. We're start having this conversation. And um, they said, oh, by the way, you know, Dad's in there. He's taking his last breaths. And the families gathered around. And you didn't know, um, Pastor, that uh, none of our family know the Lord. They're not walking with the Lord or whatever. And I'm like, okay. Um, So I walk in the room, and they're wearing, like, uh, T-shirts with, like, cigarettes rolled up in the sleeve, right? And beer commercials on their shirt. And trucker hats. And and the, the guys are worse. And I'm thinking wow, I'm like not in my comfort zone. This is like so outside of my culture, outside of my, you know, what I'm used to. So that was the first thought that came to me. And the second thought was like a, a moment of serious conviction. It was the Lord saying to me, Ryan, who's this about? What do you think this whole thing is about? I can use you wherever I plant you. I've called you right here in this moment with people that you're not like, that are outside of your comfort zone and your culture. I have called you here, and I'm going to use you if you just let me. I felt like totally rebuked, you know, when I'm sitting or looking at these people judging them for how they've dressed differently than me. Whatever, that was stupid. And I didn't realize that it was all about what God was doing doing in the moment and he could use me wherever if I just was faithful to it and um we just started having a conversation and for the next like 45 minutes hour we're sitting there as dad's dying and we just started talking about the things that matter most about the lord and it was like I walked away from that moment totally rebuked realizing you know what God God can use me wherever he wants to use me I need to be humble enough before him to recognize he wants me to take risks. He wants me to step out in faith. And when I don't, I miss out. I totally miss out. That when I take it, when I jump in, even if the water's cold, right, then it's it's where he wants me and that's where he uses me. That's where life comes alive, where my faith comes alive and where he's calling us. So, It has to happen personally, individually for me to get that. And I'm just calling you out this morning not to be satisfied with where you're at, but to actually call out to the Lord, God, where do you want me to open up my hands where I'm just been holding on for safety's sake? Because that's not safe. Safe is in the arms of the Lord. Safe is where he has you and where he's calling you to be. Oh God, where is it that you want me right now? Maybe it's right here in Fremont. Maybe that's exactly where you've called me and I want to live that out. Whatever I've been holding on to, though, I want to let go of that and be your person because you've called me here. I just call you out to, to pray and even get serious with your, your prayer life. Fast if you need to for that. And second, I want you to know that as a church, we're headed this direction. We're intentionally raising this bar for us as a fellowship. And some of it will mean, um, some of our programs are going to change because we, we are passionate about reaching people for Jesus here. And we want to value him and following him over just being safe and doing what we've always done. You're going to see a little of that as we kind of roll out our plans before we, over our Easter, what our plans are for Easter. We want to do things creatively enough to give us space and to follow the Lord faithfully so that we might reach more people for Christ, so we would be more effective for him. We want to think and dream together as a fellowship about what we can do in ways that will call us out to step into faith and follow him more faithfully. Amen to that? And third, um, we are just beginning a process That's really exciting, I think, for us to be praying about and dreaming about what the next 10 years is going to look like here. We don't know the answers, and certainly the Lord can change his plans wherever and however he wants to. But we're in the process of thinking about what does the next future look for us. And we have a team of people that are dreaming about that and starting to think through seriously about what that might look like and the steps that we need to take so that this community gets reached for Christ effectively And we need you to pray for that. We need you to pray that God would be at work with this fellowship to use us as never before. Now, we have a great legacy. We have a great history, this church. We're secure in so many ways and been blessed in so many great ways. Praise God for that. But he doesn't want us just to be safe and comfortable, not for our future. He wants us to be fruitful and to do all that he's called us into. So would you please be in prayer for that? And would you join me right now as we pray that out? Father, we want to be people and we want to be a church that listens to you, that follows you, even when it seems risky. We want to do that intentionally and be people of faith. And we just open our hands up to you right now. We, we want to say yes to you some of us, Lord, that's really, really hard because we've held on for a long time, held on to all the right, wrong means of security, and we want to hold on to you. We want you to move us forward for your glory, for your namesake, for the sake of people that you love deeply that are surrounding us that need you, for the sake of your church. God, help us to step out in faith, Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.